Strong women, smart policy, solid theology, and no apology. This is Concerned Women Today with Penny Young Nance, CEO and President of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy organization for women in the nation. Here's your host, Penny Nance. I want to welcome to Concerned Women Today an amazing woman, Jenna Ellis, and she's got so much on her bio, like I I don't want to leave any of it out. So I'm actually going to kind of go through it. Many of you know Jenna Ellis from her great show at Newsmax. She has a daily show called the Jenna Ellis Show. Um, Many of you recognize her as she was an attorney in the past for President Trump. So she's a, she's a face that is well-known and respected. She's an attorney and special counsel for Thomas More Society. By the way, I think you're a Liberty University Law School grad. Is that right, Jenna? Uh, so I actually went there just from my first year and transferred because it was so new at the time, but they have said that I'm an honorary graduate now. And I take that um, very, just, I'm so proud of that. Absolutely. <laughs> so. You're the chairwoman of the Election Integrity Alliance. We've always talked about being a Newsmax host, but also a contributor. You have your podcast on Salem Podcast Network, which we love Salem. Your book is called The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution and is a great book, provides insight into Americans' founding and how to best protect our rights and our rule of law, which is right on point of where we are right now in this country is and even globally as we look across our border. So welcome to Concerned Women today, Jenna. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, Penny, it's always so great to speak with you. And I just love your ministry, which it really is a ministry, Concerned Women for America. And I'm so honored uh, to be your guest today. And thank you so much for standing for conservative values and for women who have a voice in our society. And we need to absolutely stand up for freedom and liberty. So I'm excited to be here. Well, I am, I got to say, I'm so excited and eager to watch the next generation of young women leaders coming up behind me. I'm inspired by you. I'm inspired by others. So I just, you know, I'm just grateful that I get to stand on the shoulders of Beverly LaHaye and Phyllis Schlafly and other amazing women, Elizabeth Dole, other amazing Christian women um, in, from the past. And I hope I'm contributing in that link. And I see you as part of that, you know, next gen that's coming up and you're doing a great job on your show and your podcast and your books and all of that. But um, I want you to come on today again, and as a, both a legal mind, but also as a, a thoughtful person about our culture. And let's talk about what's happening in Canada. And I don't know about you, but I feel like it's a cautionary tale for where we go as a country. I mean, just to kind of remind people of what's happened, and I know a lot of people are following it, but, you know, we had the COVID mandates came out, you know, around the country and in Canada, very, very harsh mandates and, and rules, and particularly one group of people, truckers, who, let's be real, spend hours and hours and hours alone, completely alone in their cabs of their trucks. And so they set down laws for them in order to, for them to be able to do interstate trucking and to come across into the U.S. And these men and women said, wait a minute, like we have a right to decide what medicine goes into our bodies, what chemicals go into our bodies. And many of us, for very good reasons, have decided that we, we prefer to abstain and we don't want to do this. 
And so this movement of, of a few people grew and grew and grew, and we're seeing in the news every day, sort of this whole movement now that has happened. And as this has grown, as uh, truckers have been in, uh, in Ottawa, I think, and other parts of the country of Canada, um, the, the, the state has become more and more and more authoritarian. And you watch sweet-talking, kind of low-voiced, Brett girl hair, um, Justin Trudeau says in his sweet voice, all the things that he's going to do. And the fact that they are invoking, I believe it's called the emergency powers act and shutting down their ability to, uh, do commerce, even to the point where they're making arrests, but even beyond that. And I think this may be for me, the, the most shocking is seizing their bank accounts and shutting down um, their ability to actually, you know, pay their bills and their livelihood. So anything that you disagree with as I, in the setup there and just sort of as you're thinking, as you're watching this, I'd love to hear. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things you said, Penny, about this being a cautionary tale for, uh, for America in particular, and I think that's very true in a couple of, uh, in, a, in a couple of categories. And the first one is look at how Canada is able to do some of these things, but they are in another sense of violating their own constitution. So Canada in its law has a constitution, but is not as robust as ours in terms of protecting freedoms and liberties and rights that we in America through our founding fathers recognize are God given. And so this is why we in America have to stand up and say our rule of law matters because when the petty tyrants can um, simply come in and say, well, we disagree with your viewpoint. We disagree with what you are protesting. Uh, we disagree, for example, there was a, a single mother who contributed $50 to yeah. the Freedom Convoy whose bank account has now been seized. I mean, can you imagine that happening here in the U.S.? Well, you know, maybe a few years ago, I would have said that would never happen in the U.S. But look at all of the things that the Biden administration has tried to do. The only reason that the vaccine mandates have really lost a lot of steam have been because our Supreme Court thankfully correctly interpreted our rule of law and said, I'm sorry, that is not an overbroad authority that the federal government can force through an agency that is a creature of statute. Uh, that was the OSHA mandate. And they said, no, that, that can't happen. That is not part of the authority that has been given. But imagine if Congress in a future uh, congressional session were to create a statutory agency that did have this kind of authority, where would we be? We have to make sure that not only the people that we put on the Supreme Court, and a lot of conservatives are so focused on the Supreme Court, that is incredibly important, but we also have to focus on the members of Congress. We also have to focus on who's elected president. We also have to focus on our state and local elections, because if we operate under the premise that government can do whatever it wants and then we have to simply safeguard our freedom and say wait a second no we have to first reorient our perspective to say wait a second we are not under we are a nation that is not under rules rulers but under rules and so there is no tyrant in america and we have to safeguard the principles of liberty and freedom that penny we know from our founding documents 
Our founders recognize that all authority is given by God, our creator, and there are certain delegated limited powers that he gave to civil government, the church government, and the family government. And we as individuals and as Americans, as office holders, as members of our church, as members of our family, we can never go beyond the legitimate authority that God himself has, has given. And that's what we have to hold all of our government officials accountable for. And that doesn't mean that we think this is a theocracy. That's the pushback that I always get. But that would mean that we think that the church is running government. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that the government's only legitimate authority and power comes from God it's limited. And the purpose of government is to restrain evil and that evil can't be redefined by whatever the government suggests. Justin Trudeau is calling these Canadian truckers evil right now. He's right. saying, you know, he's saying that these protests are now something that he doesn't agree with. Therefore, it's wrong. No, we here in America need to look at the cautionary tale all around the world and even the cautionary tale of the Biden administration and say we are holding our government accountable that they are under the Constitution and that the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence recognize that God is the divine lawgiver and that all authority is given to civil government only for the purpose of preserving and protecting our individual rights. And that includes the right to freedom of speech, freedom of association, free exercise of religion to do what we're doing right now, speaking right. together about truth. Well, and that was the, the beautiful thing about our founders understood that our rights came from our creator. It wasn't bestowed upon us by the crown. It comes from our creator. And they, and they were very clear on that point. And of course, we have the derivative of that is the First Amendment, which Canada does not have. They're deriving their powers from their Emergency Powers Act, it, which brings me to, I think, a question. And I, I was recently in a, one of the bigger stores with an employee, and we, I live in Virginia. And thank God for Glenn Youngkin, Governor Youngkin, who has really taken um, his election seriously, taken the, um, the mandate from parents who've said, our kids should not be masked. We, we need to actually have our own parental authority in schools as opposed to the teachers unions thinking that they actually are the parents and they have the authority of our children. We disagree. It's almost like we've, we've completely become sheep. Like we don't really think for ourselves anymore. And um, I, I just feel like there's just this giant psychosis happening as a country where we're not allowed to question authority anymore. I mean, I just wonder about like, where are the 60s rebels? Where are the hippies? Like you used to not, you know, the man used to keep you down, right? You used to actually be able to question authority, but I'm, but I don't see that anymore, especially, you know, in Gen Z and, and even some millennials. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, um, I used to be a professor at Colorado Christian University, and I was actually having a discussion with um, my students about kind of the same, the same topic about, you know, why aren't there more questions? And why do we have, you know, it seems like this pervasive thought process among young people that uh, we don't question the narrative that we're given. And one of my students said something really profound that has actually stuck with me. And he said, you know, I have the ability to Google search any question and it pops up an answer. And so many of my peers assume that that answer is correct and they don't go any further. And so we've lost the analysis because- you go page one of Google, right? There may be 46 pages. 
Right. Right. And so the more scientific analysis may be further down the search, but like whatever Google decides you need to see from Wikipedia is what the answer is. Right. And so it's carefully curated by the left because Google will intentionally hide things just like how Twitter and, you know, there's quote unquote fact checkers and all of these things on mainstream media. Mainstream media isn't just the legacy media. It's not just, you know, the CNN, MSNBC. It's all of the oligarchy of big tech. And when big tech has become such a prevalent presence in our lives, then big tech provides the answers without us actually having to go through and research or think through things ourselves. And that's even true at when Christians, you know, go to a really easy source to get an answer for what's the, the Christian perspective on this, instead of going and searching the scriptures for ourselves and saying, and praying and doing the difficult work of living the Christian life. It's the same thing when we look at government, when we look at any of these questions. And so there's a real danger in the big tech oligarchy, not just for censorship, not just, um, you know, for some of these issues that, you know, Congress and Section 230 and some of these policy determinations. But I think that the, the real emphasis here needs to be back on critical thinking and analyzing and access to varying viewpoints is how the big tech oligarchy is trying to foreclose any analysis. Because if you don't have this free marketplace of ideas and you don't say, well, wait a second, I disagree with that. Let's have a conversation. Let's dialogue. Let's look at all of these different viewpoints and then have people actually think through and say, well, what do I think is the correct response here? Why, you know, oh, well, that maybe informed my view a little bit differently. We don't have that anymore. We have the censorship that only the narrative and the propaganda is now disseminated through all of these tech platforms. And so that becomes, it's not just about censorship, it's actually about programming. And young people are being programmed to think a certain way, especially in universities. Well, again, it's it's the, you know, the dearth of critical thinking, right? Or the death of critical thinking. I mean, you you really have to work hard to make sure that in academia, that kids are taught to, to really, you know, question and to think through and to research to, to your point. Okay, I have to ask about this. A recent piece at the Daily Wire by Meg Basham, really interesting piece, talks about how that Christian leaders, she named several, including Ed Setzer, Russell Moore, and Tim Keller, all in a very coordinated fashion hosted the head of NIH, uh, Francis Collins, to talk about everyone getting the vaccine and, you know, sort of the whole government line on it. And so there's been questions and, and Meg really goes in in depth and looks at what happened and wonders, you know, kind of what's this about? There wasn't really any opportunity to question. There was no pushback on the science. There was no really thoughtful questions. It was honestly just a big ad for the NIH and for government, one's perspective. And I will say that Francis Collins, who is, you know, is a believer, I believe, he says that he's a believer, I believe him, has written great books about intelligent design, has really lost a lot of credibility recently and is, you know, really, he's, he and Anthony Fauci have been one of the main problems in the way the government has dealt with the issue of the pandemic. But it, it is concerning to me that, um, again, you have Christians leaping on the bandwagon of big government and authoritarianism and sort of giving digs to each other who kind of fall down on a different, at a different 
perspective after actually thinking through researching from themselves and and let me just say i am i firmly believe that churches must always stay open that we can never buckle under the government that is essential that we you know this might be one thing to close for a sunday or two but to close down indefinitely and only have a an online version means the community of the church is not coming together we cannot help each other we can't identify um, depression or mental illness we can't you know help young people meet each other we can't do um, the real work of the community and loving each other well if we're not together so i'd love to hear your thinking on that jenna yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and of course, as I'm sure your listeners are aware, um, you know, I was one of the, the senior counsel that represented Pastor John MacArthur in his fight against Los Angeles County and Newsom's overbroad, ridiculous, um, unconstitutional mandates. And thankfully, you know, Pastor John and his elder board said, okay, wait, we're looking at the facts, we're looking at the actual science, not the political science, and we're going to make a decision that we are reopening the church because they're looking at, you know, the big box stores, they're looking at the strip clubs, the weed dispensaries in uh, Los Angeles that are allowed to be open, they're deemed quote unquote essential, but the church isn't. And that just doesn't comport with logic and certainly not with scripture. And so what's been interesting to see in the midst of COVID is how much of the common acceptance of certain um, evangelical viewpoints really has been contrasted between those who follow a woke trend, like some of those that you mentioned, the Russell Moores, the Ed Stetzers, the Tim Kellers, they're the ones who are actually embracing CRT. They're, they're embracing um, corporate guilt. They're, they are pr actually perverting the gospel by teaching uh, from the perspective of what the Bible doesn't say. And so they're actually embracing some of these secular uh, ideologies that are outright heresy. And so we shouldn't be surprised when then they're dismissing the viewpoints of pastors like John MacArthur, who are saying, we will take a stand firmly on truth. And we understand that our mandate for the church and our free exercise not only is protected by the constitution, so it's actually the officials in the state of California that are disobeying the law, but we appeal to God himself as the authority of Reverend, like what we just talked about in the beginning of this podcast. And so what we're seeing, I think, in the greater scope of evangelicalism and um, in the greater scope of the church is that we have to separate the voices that are taking their marching orders from the secular philosophy and from the secular narrative and from the political science and separate those voices from the voices that are speaking biblical truth. And this is a profound turning point, I think, in America and especially for Christian conservatives, that we have to embrace the truth of scripture and not just the celebrity figures that have claimed to represent evangelicalism. There's also a great uh, article in Daily Wire by Meg Basham, who was talking about uh, David French, who you know used to be a good friend of mine. If, for those of you who aren't familiar, I mean, he wrote for National Review. He was an allied attorney with the Alliance Defending Freedom, did a lot of great work. But after you know the Trump era and the Never Trumpers and um, you know some other things that influenced him, he is now fully woke. He has gone so far off track that now the mainstream media leftist networks like to bring him on to say, oh, he speaks for evangelicals when he. 
absolutely is not speaking the truth of Christ. So right. we and have to have that's what they do, time. right? Like if you're willing to say what they want to hear, you can you can be on CNN 24-7. So yeah. Um, and by the way, Meg Basham wrote that other piece actually I was talking about. So she's doing some real interesting digging into sort of this whole perspective of evangelical leaders being willing to, you know, be a mouthpiece for the Biden administration. That's really what it comes down to. And and again, the worst part of that for me is that they're willing to undercut and malign their other brothers and sisters in Christ who who thoughtfully and prayerfully arrived at other opinions. Mm -hmm. And that is a problem. That is not uh, how Christ urged us to treat each other, to to love each other. Um, so anyway, uh, not having discernment either as Christians. I mean, that's really to me the key emphasis here in the lesson for Christians is that we have to have discernment based on the truth of the word of God and what scripture teaches, not just be impressed by celebrity pastors. Well, and there's a lot of that, right? And there's uh, there's a, an entire industry of, and by the way, I have a book, you have a book, right? But um, there's an entire industry, I believe, of, you know, pastor entertainers that mm -hmm. make a very good living at selling books. And so you wonder, and, and there's been scandal around that, right? Over the years of, you know, New York Times bestsellers, like, you know, the church budget is, is you know, very heavily leaning into their book sales. And, um, and so you do wonder, you know, is it easy to get it twisted when, when you know that your, your pay is not really coming from your congregation? It's coming from this broader audience who really wants their ears tickled and, you know, want to enjoy what you have to say. And again, I have a book, you have a book. I don't, I'm not against that. I just do wonder when the first responsibility of the pastor is not his local church. It's well, I was going to say, and you and I aren't pastors. And of course, right. there's nothing wrong with, you know, I mean, Pastor John has authored over 400 books. I mean, there's nothing wrong with um, having books and being an author and contributing in that way or having a show or, or being well known. That's not the point. It depends on what is your motivation and what is influencing you. And if your motivation is just to earn money, then that's not the primary focus or emphasis of a pastor or even as a Christian. I mean, I like to say even, even and we all have to earn a living and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Um, the Bible, in fact, says that, that um, an, a, an earner is, is, is worth his wages and should be paid according to the work that he accomplishes. But the point is that we shouldn't love money over the ministry of Christ. And everyone, I think, especially a pastor, um, we need to be very concerned about what motivates our pastors. Are they beholden to anyone else? Um, just like our Congress members who are beholden to lobbyists. Well, who are our pastors beholden to? And they need to fear Christ first and foremost. And there's a lesson in that too. I mean, Penny, you know, I've always said through, um, through my life and my love of law, I mean, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer since time I was 14. Like, I just, I'm fascinated by law. I love um, all of the philosophy around it. And, you know, Romans is my favorite book in the Bible, just because of um, that, that further expansion on understanding how the law works within the Christian worldview perspective. But I have always said, you know, my goal in life is not to have a career. My goal is to do every day what God has for me to do to further the Great Commission, to advance the purpose of the gospel. And my role is obviously going to look different than a pastor's, but we should all have the same uh, motivation that we do all things to the glory of God. And it shouldn't be motivated 
by platform, by status, by influence, by money, by any of the worldly things. Everything that I do should be motivated only by how much it advances the gospel of Christ. That is so true. I um, I recently was reading a book about, you know, um, how that, you know, there's rest in Christ, right? And that it's not about always striving and it's not always about works. And I 100% agree with that. And I even deal with that. But I said to my husband, I'm like, you know, this is a good book, but honestly think the book that people need to understand now is that, you know, God is also a God of judgment <laughs> and, uh, and can be a God of wrath. And as much as he is a God of grace, there's the other side of his character that we can't, you know, we, we should fear God. We must fear God. And only a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Um, and so I, I do feel like no one's going to write that book because it's not going to sell. Nobody wants to hear that. And so I, I would say the reason that I, I guess I'm so concerned about sort of the national platform for the pastor is that isn't it our local pastor that's supposed to give us the hard truth, right? Give right. us the fact that, you know, this is what God says. This is what God says about sexual purity. This is what God says about, you know, all the hard issues of the day. We may not want to hear it, but this is what God's word says. And God's word never changes. His love never changes. His love never fails. He's always there for us. Redemption is always available. But in order to be right with God, you've got to be willing to confess your sin. And somebody has to point out our sin. And I just kind of think, that nobody wants to buy that book. Right. And, you know, I'm reminded of um, the prophet Jeremiah in scripture because throughout his entire ministry over the course of his life, he never won one convert. So, I mean, imagine his Twitter feed would be, would be no likes, no retweets, no followers. no followers, nothing. Right. And that would be in the eyes of especially young people today who want to be quote unquote influencers, mm -hmm. right? Well, do you want to be an influencer or do you want to be faithful to what the Lord has called you to do, regardless of your platform or your prominence, prominence or your status? Because at the end of Jeremiah's ministry, the Lord called him faithful because he did what God told him to do. And he said that God is responsible for the outcome. And that's was such a, um, a profound conviction in my life, too, because especially as we look at the media platforms, we look at, um, you know, the influencer type of status that a lot of young people want. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm grateful to have a national platform. I'm grateful to be able to speak truth, but I always have to remember that is the Lord's. It's not mine. And my motivation should not be to increase my platform, to increase my influence and to say and do things just to get more likes and follows. Because as soon as I do that, I'm doing that for me and my image. I'm then discounting what God has for me. I'm not speaking the truth. I'm only wanting to turn people onto me instead of to the Lord. So we have to make sure, and especially young people, don't seek to be an influencer, seek to be an ambassador for Christ. And when I know that everything I do is a reflection of him and is drawing followers to him, that's what motivates me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And it may not be in your lifetime. I think about, you know, we could go to the political realm too, not just Jeremiah, Susan B. Anthony. Um, mm -hmm. You know, women didn't get the right to vote in her time. You uh, look at um, William Wilberforce, 
you know, who was the member of parliament who fought against the slave trade, all of these, all these things, the final vote happens upon at his death as he's dying. So it takes time sometimes for God's will to work his way out. We just have to be willing, but I get what you're saying. And it's true for all of us. It's a trap to, you know, say the, say the most, you know, craziest thing or, you know, the most improper thing, or even, you know, something that puts another person in a bad light in order to get attention. Like we have to make sure that we are first, as you said, ambassadors of Christ. And it's um, social media has, has really had an influence on our entire culture. And we all have to make sure that we're living right before the Lord. Yeah. And, you know, even going back to what we were talking about in the very beginning of like, you know, all of these, like the mask mandates and how we as Christians approach culture and everything, um, we also need to be aware of what motivates us even in that decision making, because, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people on both sides. I mean, you know, you have the leftists, of course, who virtue signal. Well, are we doing that in the same way of flaunting liberty and saying, well, you know, I'm not vaxxed and don't wear a mask just because, you know, I'm stubborn and I want to prove a point. Or are we saying, you know, this is because of freedom and liberty and I'm obeying the Lord because I've made the best health decision that I can. I mean, you know, there's a reason, Penny, I was actually speaking to someone earlier where I was saying, I haven't disclosed my vaccination status publicly and I'm not going to because I don't want, I've made the best decision for myself, but I recognize that every individual has to do that and we can arrive at different conclusions. I know people who've made a decision to be vaccinated absolutely their that's their choice and then people who haven't been vaccinated that's absolutely their choice now i'm not an anti-vaxxer or a pro-vaxxer i'm not i'm not for government making that decision for you so i think we also as christians have an opportunity to show what freedom in christ truly is and that we can all agree government shouldn't force one decision on us especially when it's political science not the science um, but we also need to have love and grace when someone else arrives at a different conclusion that than what we've arrived to. That's what's best for me may not be the best for someone else. A hundred percent. I and I have disclosed. I'm vaccinated. Uh, I got both doses, and um, you know, and so did my husband. So did my family. But I will fight for everyone else's right to do what they feel led to do and what with their doctor's input they've decided is the right decision. I'm anti big authoritarian government. And, um, and so I just think what you're saying is true, whether our brother decides to wear a mask or he doesn't decide to wear a mask. Let, let's give him grace on that. Let him decide. I don't care what you do. Just don't make me do it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or don't. I'm just not. Okay. So right. anyway, well, listen, I am so grateful to have you on Jenna and uh, we love your show and you are just so thoughtful and obviously so bright. Um, mm-hmm. What's coming up for you? What's the next thing? I'm headed to CPAC. So um, definitely you can subscribe to the Jenna Ellis show. Find me at the Jenna Ellis show.com. We're on rumble YouTube, all of the streaming platforms. So definitely subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And I try to take the perspective, you know, like you do Penny of what are um, life and culture issues, not just a political hot button issues, but how can we approach this from a Christian worldview and hopefully encourage people um, to, to truly think through these issues and how to analyze things. So um, I have the Jenna Ellis show. And then of course you can find me on Newsmax. And, um, you know, it's always another day and another opportunity to serve the Lord. So I'm excited for uh, what's coming up in uh, 2022 and beyond. Well, and I join you in that and we will prayerfully move forward as we uh, 
move through 2022. And it's a little scary, but we know God is bigger than all of it. But thank you for your great, thoughtful voice um, and just all the work you're doing, Jenna. And thank you for your leadership. Thank you so much, Penny. It's really a privilege to know you. And I really appreciate your mentorship and your voice as well. Um, You're really amazing and one of my heroes. So thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for joining us at Concerned Women today. And we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and, and be sure and recommend it to your friends. We'd love for you to help us to get the message out. And special thank you to our guest today, Jenna Ellis.